Hello there, friends. This is Spencer Michaud, and welcome to your weekly astrology forecast for the week of February 24th through March 1st. Hope that you all are doing well uh, and are, have received your new divine assignment from the Pisces new moon uh, on Sunday, uh, or are in the process of, of it being revealed to you. If you're listening to this on the weekend, generally they are posted, these uh, forecasts are posted on Sunday. Um, yeah, this week ahead, we are going to be seeing the uh, the moon waxing in light and, and kind of getting some clarity on, on what it is we're trying to do next in this next lunar cycle. Uh, the sun will be sextiling Mars on Monday the 24th. On Tuesday the 25th, our retrograde Mercury begins a brand new cycle with its inferior conjunction to the sun, which is called uh, being in the heart of the sun or Kazemi. So we'll, we'll discuss that, the, uh, the new Mercury cycle. Uh, Mercury will then sextile Mars on the 26th. And then on Friday, we have a couple aspects. We've got the Venus. Uh, Venus is squaring Pluto from Aries to Capricorn. And then retrograde Mercury will be making a sextile with Uranus. New decans this week. The sun will be moving into the second decan of Pisces, which has a correlation with the nine of cups. Venus will be moving into the third decan of Aries, which has a correspondence with the four of wands. And then Mars will continue its journey through its exaltation in Capricorn. And we'll talk about the three of pentacles. Uh, essential dignities for the week. Just getting right to it. Uh, the, the sun will be moving through the first and second decan of Pisces. I'm going to share my screen for those of you watching on video and uh, Hopefully everybody is receiving this in the best format possible through YouTube or through uh, the new Apple podcast that where we're posting this on or SoundCloud. Exciting times for distribution of the show. Uh, yeah, so now we're taking a look at our screen here uh, where we're showing um, February 24th, Monday, at basically at midnight. And then the outer ring is March 1st um, at 12 p.m. or so. So we're seeing the, the movement of the planets throughout the course of the week. And the sun's going to be beginning at five degrees of Pisces in that first decan, which is Saturn ruled, uh, and moving into the second decan 12 to 12 degrees of Pisces, uh, well in that second decan by the end of the week. Um, this is the Jupiter ruled sign of Pisces, according to the traditional authors, um, and of course, Jupiter right now is in its fall in Capricorn, sort of at the bottom of the Wheel of Fortune. Um, not, not in its most favorable condition, but uh, there's nowhere to go but up, right? We'll talk about that as we talk about Pisces too. Um, it is, I believe it is in a condition called Peregrine because it doesn't have any essential dignity of its own. Uh, the sun will be in the terms of Venus from zero to 12 degrees. And then we're going to talk about that fall in Jupiter. Jupiter is going to be moving from 18 degrees Capricorn to 19 degrees Capricorn, almost to the end of that 19th degree, where it is in its fall. It is being provided for by Saturn, uh, and it is kind of trying to do things. Uh, it, it, it can only be itself. It can only be Jupiter. It can only try to find hope and, and, and tr try its best to create expansion and abundance, but it's being given the resources of entropy and decay uh, of Saturn in its third decan of Capricorn, which is about administration of resources, uh, that being a solar-ruled decan. Um, 
Jupiter is going to be in the terms of Venus from 14 to 22 degrees. So we've got a couple planets in, in the terms of Venus this week. So some of the qualities or etiquette of being able to um, have harmonious communications or, or try to find common ground with people may be, may be the way to go about these things. Now Venus herself is in her own exile, uh, so that may be a little bit difficult to find, find common ground because we have an awareness of uh, the things that separate us right now with Venus moving through Aries. Uh, Saturn is going to be in the third decan of Capricorn, moving from the 27th degree of Capricorn to the 28th, where it is in its own domicile. It is in the terms of Mars from 26 to 30 degrees. It is very powerful Saturn. Um, I wanted to talk a little bit about some of the planets and their meanings. I was in my research today, was been doing um, been doing a lot of reading of the decans because I really, man, I really enjoy exploring the decanic qualities of the of the signs. And uh, I think that first of all, I have to give credit where credit's due. I really love Austin Coppock, Austin Coppock's book Thirty Six Faces. Such a brilliant writer. Um, I've been reading Aleister Crowley's work, The Book of Toth. Um, I've been reading a lot more of the traditional authors like uh, Rhetorius and uh, Paulus and, um, you know, like Manilius, things, some of those authors. I've even been digging into Ben Dyke's work with uh, Abu Mashar and Al-Kabisi, sort of the more, I guess, Arabic medieval astrologers. And then Demetri George is another person that I really like to read. And one of the things that, oh, one more, one more person, and I, I'd be remiss if I didn't add this in, but Robert Schmidt in Project Hindsight is another person whose concepts I really like to build on, um, who was a big influence on my uh, you know, teacher, Achyuta Baba Das from Nightlight Astrology. So I use a lot of his concepts and the concepts I've learned from Achyuta via Robert Schmidt and Chris Brennan and all those dudes. Um, <laughs> it's just like one big shout out list. Sorry, we'll get back to it. Mercury's still in Pisces, remember? Um, but, but the point of all that rambling uh, was that, uh, <laughs> um, excuse me, that I've been thinking about how the planets function within these decans and the, the essential qualities that they have. And Saturn was one that was really sticking out to me in my research this week. So uh, I just want to share a little bit of insight that I had about that. Uh, so Saturn, um, talk about Saturn because it's real strong right now. It's denying things, right? It, it is the concept of uh, fear, of darkness, of ignorance, of things that, uh, I mean, in, going over things in Austin's book, talks about that these are things that are denied to us when we, possibly when we are young or early in our life and over, you know, through hard work and discipline and through the feeling, the lack of that quality, uh, we may be able to bring it into our characters or bring it into form eventually over time, over a long period of time. But, but at first, it feels like a hardship. And uh, the, the Schmidt quality that I wanted to bring into this is that he, he talks about the planets being essential qualities or essential, having essential natures, being like um, essences that are birthing through the, uh, the channels, the birth channels or the birth canals of the particular signs. And we can see a more nuanced perspective when we see them being birthed through these particular 
decans because it gives us a little bit more of a coloration to to the sign it's not just the overarching quality of the sign it's a more specific quality or part of that sign it's like a, there's a different subsection or a different room of the house basically and so, so just if we extrapolated this out to uh, saturn this week in capricorn 3 um, this is saturn's own domicile right it is in the terms of mars the, the third decan of, of Capricorn is solar ruled. So it's taking on the appearance of the sun, this commanding authoritative quality. Uh, and that is a little bit of a weird combination because Saturn is associated with darkness and the sun is associated with vitality and the light of the mind and awareness. So maybe there is a light within the dark. Uh, this, there is a, an, an administrative quality to this, um, to this decan. And maybe that was that comes about, like say you're a native with Saturn and Capricorn 3. Maybe you have to develop your ability to be uh, a leader or to be an administrator of physical things because Capricorn is associated with, like, it's an earth sign. It's associated with physical stuff. Uh, through being denied that in your younger days, through maybe having to start from a very low position um we see this all the time in like capricorn archetypes it's the winter solstice where the light is the at the weakest and it's building over time there's lots of rags to riches stories um, because of that archetype and perhaps through being denied authority you had to build that into your character over time um really just i just find that very fascinating and I, I wanted to really make that a point in my forecast this week is you know, Saturn may be something that was denied to us and that we may fear. Perhaps people with Saturn and Capricorn 3 fear authority uh, and have to develop an, uh, their ability to, to handle it responsibly. Um, again, over the long haul. Uh, and I, I was thinking about this in terms of Jupiter too. Jupiter is where things are, it's like a gift. That's where things may naturally flow better. Uh, for us, where we may be naturally talented at something. So uh, in this case, Jupiter is in the second decan of Capricorn, um, and there still is some qualities of having a gift with, with Jupiter here. Um, and the, that gift may be the quality of being able to plan or to delay gratification or to be able to see how all the parts fit together like the blueprint, which we see in that three of pentacles with three figures uh, crafting a very ornate structure. And that may be something that comes naturally to you. Um, I was thinking about this too, like I, uh, doing a little research and trying to apply this to my daily life uh, and to the people in my life. Um, I have Jupiter in the first decade of Virgo. And even though that is a position of its exile, uh, the gift may be, be having an awareness of the of the details and of the flaws and things. And yes, Jupiter's basic essential quality is to unify all these things, but maybe that is something that uh, if I was thinking about, maybe that's what comes easier to me is unifying all the very disparate details into some sort of cohesive belief system. Now that may make it difficult sometimes for me to, to get them my nose away from the page and, and see how they all fit together. And perhaps it may limit the, my ability to have, faith in the unknown because i always want to see things from the very tangible known qualities that virgo likes to 
work within. Um, but that may be something where it may be easier for me to like become skilled also. The eight, the eight of uh, pentacles was the cup, of, or was the cup, was the, was the card associated with the first deck in a Virgo. So like I've always found in my life that I've always had opportunities to learn new things and to be an apprentice, even, even at an older age. Like it, is, it, is, it hasn't been denied to me like Saturn. It has been a gift that I've been given. Uh, and I thought this was really interesting because my partner has Saturn in the same uh, decan. Saturn, right? The denial of that. And our conversation today was about how she felt uh, criticized as a young person or was afraid to uh, pay attention to the details because she had this crippling perfectionism uh, and learning things was a challenge. Like she had some difficulties in, in school, even though she's very skilled and talented, she's afraid of not being skilled enough. And that's been a fear of hers that she's had to overcome over time, even though she's very gifted in a lot of areas. And I thought it was just really interesting to see the differences in how those two planets would express within the same decan. And I thought this was really cool to talk about, especially with synastry too. You can look at this in your, in your own chart and maybe the people that are in your life. There may be people in your life that you have planets in the same decan where uh, you may have an easier time and you may be teaching that person uh, that quality, or that other person may be pr providing boundaries on that quality within yourself. So like in our relationship, I may be expanding her possibility of paying attention to some of the detailed skill uh, qualities of her work. And she may be creating limitations for me in that regard and say, you know what, you need to just pull your nose up from the book and, and you know, uh, integrate these things don't overdo it so you see that kind of that is the kind of synastry that i think we can really look at in this uh hellenistic system uh, with a with a decanic exploration all right so forgive my little digression there but i thought that was pretty pretty neat um and something i want to explore further as we go into the forecast and maybe i'll do some standalone videos talking more about planets and decans and things like that i think that would be fun um so we'll see all right, back to the essential dignity report. Venus is going to be in the domicile of uh, Mars in Aries, um, in the uh, third decan of Aries, where it is in its exile. It's not very comfortable there. Uh, it, is, it is said to be given swords and shields to try to create peace with. Um, we'll talk about the qualities of Aries 3 as we go into our dailies. But Venus is moving through the terms of Mercury from 12 to 20 degrees. Uh, Venus is moving through a bunch of different bounds this week, which I think is interesting to see, like, kind of the different rules Venus is going to be playing through. Excuse me. Uh, so starts off in the terms of Mercury, moves into the terms of uh, Mars from 20 to 25 degrees, and then uh, finally goes into the bounds of Saturn from 25 to 30 degrees. Venus is going to start out at 18 degrees Aries this week and move all the way to 26 degrees Aries. So um, she's moving a little bit faster and giving us a lot of different, different curriculums or assignments to work through. Uh, Mars itself, the host of Venus this week, is going to be in its exaltation in Capricorn, uh, moving from 5 degrees Capricorn to 10 degrees over the course of the week. It'll be in the terms of Mercury from 0 to 7 degrees and then moving into the terms of Jupiter from 7 to 14 degrees. It has dignity by exaltation in Capricorn, but also has rulership by face in the second decan. 
Now, another way we can think about exaltation too is the domicile ruler is kind of like the general manager of a restaurant, whereas the exaltation ruler is like the owner. Like he, you know, I think that he doesn't necessarily have, uh, um, he's not really involved in all the day-to-day affairs, but he's ultimately kind of the big decision maker. And I thought that was kind of neat to think about that dignity where it has a lot of power in that particular sign. Um, But the the responsibility of dealing with the daily affairs falls on the domicile ruler. So think about Mars as like the, is in his own restaurant right now. He's the owner. He's come back. He's like, yeah, he's overseeing how every, how the whole operation is running and having maybe conversations with the general manager, Saturn in this case, um, right? Yeah, Saturn is the general manager of Capricorn, right? And Mars is kind of like the, I guess you could call him the, the owner that's come back and he's like seeing, all right, he's like, all right, you know, serve me the best meal and let's see how things are going. Let's look at the profit margins. Let's look how everything is functioning. And are we really, uh, is the plan that we've made really functional? And I think we could see that in our own lives right now. We've, we've been Saturning out and uh, for the day-to-day affairs in, in the Capricorn ruled area of our chart. But now Mars has come back to see, like to oversee uh, the big picture there and to, to make kind of some of the bigger decisions, I think. Um, like the general, right? The general who's laying, laying out a bl- blueprint in front of him, trying to figure out w- which next area to conquer. Um, so that's a neat way of thinking of that type of dignity. Mercury, our, our poor Mercury. Poor Mercury this week, as if you couldn't tell already, is in its exile and its fall. Uh, it is the only planet that is, has dual debility in the same sign, in this case, Pisces, the Jupiter-ruled sign of Pisces. It is also retrograde, which can make it more difficult for it to bring its significations into being. Uh, it is in the terms of Venus from 0 to 12 degrees. It is asking us to let go of the, the paddles or the oars of the, of the ship of our minds and kind of let our minds drift a little bit, which could provide a very needed course correction. I know in my, my, my personal life here, I've been uh, lately when I do the forecasts, I kind of been grinding, grinding them out and I've got a few sources that I, that I reference every week. And I think over the last week or two, I've been get, going back to these sources and really doing more of a deep dive to, to get more of the essence of these little details that I provide in the forecast, which has been really fun and really uh, instructive. Uh, and like I was talking about with the essential natures of Saturn and Jupiter and how they function within these decans, I, I'm going to give credit to Mercury uh, for being able to like say, you know what, well, slow down a little bit. You don't have to do things the same exact way that you've always been doing it. Try to get your mind around the essence of these things rather than just the, the detailed uh, form of them. Uh, so that's what Mercury is doing this week. Uh, Mercury is also going to be going into its Kazemi phase, which is a kind of a whole new Mercury cycle. So we're going to, Mercury is going to be going into the heart of the sun, uh, at the furnace of the sun being uh, reborn into some new cycle. So really pay attention to the ideas that come up over the course of the week, because they may be instructing you on on the whole new Mercury cycle that's going to be playing out over the, the next couple months. All right, the moon this week is waxing from the new phase to its crescent phase. 
So we're after we've gotten the divine assignment at the new moon on Sunday at four degrees of Pisces, now we're trying to figure out exactly what that is and get clarity around it, which may be a little difficult because we've literally been asked to go into the labyrinths of our minds and to find a connection with a, a higher purpose and, a, and a, with hope. Um, and that may be a little disorientating at first. And as the moon waxes, we may get some more clarity about about that mission that we've received. And the crescent phase will be about kind of uh, mobilizing any resources necessary to bring that vision into form. Another thing I'm really liking about my review of planetary natures is a reminder that the moon is brings things into being when it's waxing. It's a manifester. Uh, but it, it is good for dissolving things or taking or bringing things out of existence when it's waning or or distributing them uh, distributing those forms and using them up so to speak uh, in the waning phase uh, and so I, try to apply that to your own charts too if you have a waxing moon in your chart if the if the moon is uh, you know if you were born just right after a new moon or something like that uh, you you may be bringing something into existence in relation to the decan that it falls in. If you're born in the in the waning phase of the moon, you may be eliminating some barriers to bringing that quality into being. Um, I think that's a cool distinction. All right, so that is the technical details or some of them of our the beginning of our week as we move into uh, let's get one chart here and we'll look at the daily stuff the stuff okay we're starting off the day uh whoa whoa oh this always happens if i click if i click my uh thing too quickly it, it does this little dance where it's just flying around the wheel <laughs> Uh, like it's in motion or something. Anyway, uh, the moon's going to start out in Pisces in, on Monday, 24th. We're still in that new moon phase. And one of the things that we are going to look at with this is the moon is still going to be under the bond uh, here in the beginning of the day, right? Uh, which, which is a quality of being held captive by the sun. So when it's within 15 degrees, of the sun that's like being under the beams or being weakened or you know it's it's the moon is going through its own kind of kazemi type of moment where it's being reborn and we're getting that new assignment right and all the old stuff of the old lunar cycles being burned away and that's a you know it's it's like um the butterfly who is dissolving in the in the cocoon and then emerging at that new moon and it's, it's a little weak at the beginning of that, right? It's a little bit vulnerable. And I think that the moon is similar. It, it, it's not the time necessarily to, to manifest into form yet. It's like kind of a, a hardening quality. It's, a, it's where the butterfly is, you know, emerging from the primordial cocoon soup and starting to get used to whatever new form it's going to be in. And as we emerge from the beams, we'll get some more clarity and more solidification that happens with that new assignment. So the moon will escape the bond at 20 degrees of Pisces at 7 p.m. on Monday. And it, then it will uh, sextile Saturn. We always want to look at the first aspect that the moon makes after it escapes the bond. And in this case, it's a sextile with Saturn. So we may have a, a, a 
harmonious conversation between the moon uh, and the Lord of Karma and the ability to use the limitations that we're working within and just to get real. This is a time for the vision to start to get real and to to come to terms with some of the uh, imperfections maybe that we are dealing with. One of the things I'm going to talk about when the sun moves into the second decade of Pisces is the disconnect between uh, our idealized spiritual consciousness and the perfection of, of spiritual form and the imperfection of material form and the ability to either accept the imperfection of the material form, which in turn could create satisfaction or happiness, which is what the card associated with that decan is called, or the misery that you may create when you resist uh, or feel upset by the gap between your vision and your material reality. And really, I think the choice is yours. I think that the choice is, I, I love my, my favorite mantra, and I had this reflected back to me by my uh, darling daughter, uh, today, <laughs> she must be listening to what I've been saying or harping on over the course of her 16 years is uh, you can't avoid pain, but you know, you, you can choose whether you suffer or not. And I think that really is going to be very prevalent with this, this Pisces season that we're experiencing. All right. Um, the moon is going to be conjoining Neptune at 1.25 PM at 17 degrees. So let's look at that. So here we see the moon coming in contact with the, the planet of escapism, the planet of dissolving, the planet of illusion, deception. Uh, so before it, before it escapes the bond here, uh, it's going to come in contact with this, uh, you know, this dreamy, um, potentially toxic quality, uh, but also potentially transcendent quality. So the moon first is going to come in contact with the dream, and then it's going to hit cold, hard reality as it escapes the bond and comes into contact with Saturn. So see how that works? So you may, at this new moon, you may be lost in the, the beautiful vision or in the labyrinth of your mind where the labyrinth can be a confusing place. You meet up with Poseidon there, uh, which may pull you off course or give you a vision of what is possible. And then we have to bring it back down and ground it back down into earthly reality. That's what Saturn's really good at, is grounding things. This is the cross of matter that it has here, and the scythe, right? So we've got the cross of matter on the top, and then the ability to bring things out of being on the bottom, harvest the wheat, so to speak. Uh, and yeah, so really this, is, this quality is about bringing, grounding the vision, okay? Um, the moon is going to sextile Jupiter, uh, at 2.45 p.m. at 18 degrees. So before it escapes that bond and hits Saturn, we're going to get uh, a, a little bit of a, a boost potentially from uh, the dream, the dreamer, uh, Jupiter, um, trying to expand within whatever limitations that we have. Uh, and then uh, at uh, 9.05 p.m., the sun is going to make a sextile with Mars. All right, so one of the things that we're working with with this new moon is we have a sextile from Mars. We talked about this last week, and a sextile to Uranus. I like saying Uranus now. I said Uranus for a while. Uranus, 
I got that from a from my favorite Australian astrologer Kelly Surtees. She says Uranus, and it sounds very dignified, and I like that. So thank you, Kelly, for your Promethean wisdom and <laughs> pronunciation. Um, so, and I think that the, we we just had a very fruitful trine. Um, really, as I'm recording this on Friday, uh, I'm then recording this fr- on Friday. The uh, what's the date? The 21st, where the trine between Mars and Uranus had just perfected. So cool new realizations, new new blasting through the old to get, to get some new ideas that are coming through. And that's going to be part of this new moon too coming up. Um, and I'm curious to see how it plays out. I know that you'll be listening to this as it has already happened probably, um, but I'm recording it before it has happened. So ooh, we're in the time machine here. <laughs> like so Piscean. Time isn't linear. Time is nonlinear. Our brains are nonlinear in the, during this time. Okay. Um, it's funny how the, the podcast will take on a different vibe uh, when I'm recording it on the different days. This is a, a Venusian podcast today. Venus is, is, it's the day of Venus. So we'll see how that goes. Um, speaking of Venus, um, well, before I move on to Venus, let's, let's wrap up that sextile between the moon, I'm sorry, the sun and Mars at five degrees at 9.05 p.m. Uh, that's I've been doing this new thing where I talk about the synodic cycle of of a uh, outer aspect or a non-lunar aspect of planets, and this is the crescent phase of the relationship between the Sun and Mars. This is the first sextile where we're maybe seeing some of the fruits of the seed that was planted when the Sun conjoined Mars at seven degrees of Virgo on the 30th of August, 2019. Um, I'm a little bit, I, I, now I want to say that I am leaving room for my own error with this particular uh, concept when it comes to Mars and Mercury, because Mars and Mercury move kind of weird in the Zodiac. They're kind of, they, uh, they spend a lot of time close to the sun and things like that. And I, I could be wrong with this one, but I'm going to, I'm sticking with this particular thing for now that, cause I want to see if it works for you. If the seed of this cycle, if you can go back to August 30th, uh, 2019 and see if something is coming to fruition that is very close to uh, a relationship with whatever was at seven degrees of Virgo at that time. Um, in my own chart, Jupiter is at seven degrees Virgo. So there was, uh, let me see if I can think of what was going on then. I may have been expanding the things I was doing with my astrological practices at this time, and maybe I will start to see some fruits of that labor. I know that what I've, what the fruit that I have been getting is just uh, confidence be, being consistent making these over the course of eight months, and, and that's a good feeling. Um, I think that's one of the lessons of, of, uh, that I've had to learn uh, is consistency. Uh, and being consistently productive. This is also one of the um, qualities of my own personal moon placement, moon at 15 degrees Taurus, is the the consistency of bringing things into being over time. It's the fertile ground that is constantly needing to be seeded and, and nurtured and taken care of. Um, so there you go. Uh, 
so that's the sun sextile Mars. Uh, the other thing that we are looking at here, um, before I move on, this could be Mars is in the Deccan that is represented by the Three of Pentacles. The Sun is in the Deccan represented by the Eight of Cups. So we're making a plan, Mars, uh, a blueprint based on our awareness of some universal spiritual truth. And I think those two things are, are in harmony with each other right now. We may be able to take action, Mars, uh, on our vision, the Sun in the first Deccan of Pisces. Okay. Um, yeah, spiritual strategy, the courage to start something new, uh, an ability to take an action in your best interest because it is uh, a harmonious sextile. Let's talk about Venus a little bit because Venus is going to be moving into the third decade of Aries uh, on Monday as well. And I did a little bit of re extra research on Aries because I felt like I had a gap in my knowledge with Aries and with the Aries decans. Um, when I did my deep dive into Austin Kopic's book, I did a, a reading every, every lunar phase, uh, every lunar, every time the moon was in a new decan, I'd read a new chapter. And I started with Aries. So that was like the oldest one <laughs> that I did. <laughs> so I had to refresh my mind on it. And uh, so I think I have a little better understanding of, of how those, uh, what's going on in those decans. And Venus is, of course, in her exile in that position. And it is this particular Deccan is a Venus ruled Deccan. So she is in her own face. Uh, she has, has taken on her own appearance. Uh, the, the story that I think I have understood from going through the three Deccans of Aries is in the first Deccan, we are uh, witches. What is, what is the rulership in the first Deccan? Mars. So it goes Mars, Sun, Venus for the three decans. So if we're telling the story, we, we are having an awareness of our separate qualities as an individual in the first decan. We're cr craving independence from the mother, uh, from the, the womb of life, right? Uh, in the second decan, we move into um, creating identity around that separation. Which, because it's a solar rule, Deccan, we're commanding, uh, we have a commanding presence instead of taking action to separate. We're saying, this is who I am. We have identity. We have the, the de sun's degree of exaltation where the, the ability to say, I am this and this is separate from you is very <laughs> pronounced. Um, and then in the third Deccan, we have um, Venus taking over rulership as far as the Deccans are concerned. And this is where we gain some charisma. Um, Austin Coppock calls this Deccan the Burning Rose. Um, this was represented by the Four of Wands, where we see like a celebration, right? Uh, this is where we've crafted this identity and now we're gaining a following. We have the ability to, to have charisma, uh, where we're, you know, Venus is pretty sexy in this Deccan. Um, this was called perfected work or completion too. And it was uh, from my, from my research, it was associated with artists with the ability to harmonize a hostile crowd. This, and this is coming directly from the book 36 faces was he talks about um, comedians or artists that are, are have the ability to um, pacify uh, some, some audience that it may not be um, in, you know, 
in support of you through your charisma, through, through your ability to create art that moves them, through igniting their passion. He also says that this Deccan is associated with Eros or, or the Cupid archetype, uh, which is, I think that's kind of neat. Um, so this is something where we're shooting the flame or shooting the arrows of our desire to people and infecting other people with, with our enthusiasm and our passion. I think enthusiasm is a good word for this too. And sometimes this Deccan, from what I'm seeing, especially with Venus here, can create desire through an awareness of our separation. So there may be this kind of thing where we have a, a period of separation from an object of a desire, and this could be where absence makes the heart grow fonder. So that, that's something I think we may be exploring as the sun, or I'm sorry, Venus moves into the second decan of Aries as we see, when's it happen? Happens on Monday. I'm clicking through here. You know, in the evening, right here, right at 11 p.m. So moving into the late hours of Monday, we're going to see this kind of, Venus is going to gain some dignity. We're going to gain an ability to create a following, okay, to be more charismatic, which is good. It's a, that's a, that's a, even though Venus is in her exile. Um, now, we have to be careful that we aren't over-glamorizing the self because I think that's the danger here. Venus likes to harmonize two different things and create partnership, unification. Um, it, is, it is creating agreement, right? And if we're just creating agreement to glamorize or to you know, glorify our own separateness, that could also be a, a trap, right? So just be careful that if you're, you know, putting yourself out there that, that you're not just getting lost in your own glorification. Because that could be, I think that could be a danger with Venus moving through this particular decan is the desire for personal glamour rather than harmonious glamour. Um, now, now that, that being said, that this is a good position for individual artists who are just trying to express themselves through art so you know again i'm trying to give you both sides of it because astrology i mean even when we have planets that are in good positions or quote-unquote bad positions there's always like you know ways that we can challenge our perspectives when it comes to dealing with those planetary placements and i really do think it is a issue of perspective just because something is a little bit dysfunctional does not mean that we can't find the beauty in it right uh, and this is, I think this is also Venus and Aries, finding the beauty in, in stuff that may be um, even martial in nature or separatist or, or like different, finding beauty in something very different than us. Um, so there you go. That is Venus going through Aries 3. Uh, let's see. Let's move to Tuesday. On Tuesday... February the 25th. Moon's still going to be moving through Pisces and then moving into uh, Aries at 1.47 p.m. This is a continuance of our new moon phase. The moon will have escaped the bond. So the whatever the new vision is that's coming into being through the new moon cycle will start to solidify into form. The butterfly will start to dry off and begin to uh, attempt to fly. 
<laughs> so that may be what's going on here. Um, we've got a couple sextiles this day. Um, and then we have a couple big, big non-lunar stuff that's going on. So first, the moon is going to sextile Pluto at 1.57 a.m. at 24 degrees of Pisces and Capricorn. And then it will sextile Saturn at 9.11 a.m., 9.11 at 27 degrees. So remember when we have this kind of contact with the moon to Pluto and Saturn, we're coming into contact with perhaps things that are deeply buried. Uh, it could bring to light some corruption that's been underneath the surface. It could intensify our passion or for creating our vision. Uh, uh, and as it hits Saturn, we have to do something with some of those realizations, with some of that passion, with some of that awareness of maybe a corruption and set some healthy boundaries and set some limitations. And, and remember the order of this is reversed now that, that Saturn and Pluto are separating from one another. Before we came into contact with limitations and that may have brought up uh, feelings from deep, deeply buried within us. But now the order, if we're thinking linearly, is Pluto is going to come first and then we're going to have to deal with it Saturn style. And I think this is neat because this is one of the things where we're finally in the phase where, you know, we're dealing with stuff, you know, we're kind of like, okay, we've come to terms with things and now what do we do about it? And I think that's what you see with the separation of Saturn and Pluto rather than the applying aspect, right? Uh, so then over the course of the day, the moon will move into Aries at 1.47 p.m. Uh, at 2 o'clock p.m., Mars will be making a conjunction with the south node. And simultaneously, well, not really simultaneously, but pretty closely to Mercury's Kazemi with the sun. Mercury is going to be moving this way in primary motion. Uh, the, the motion of the, of the sun, the divine motion. And Mars at the same time is going to be making a sextile to this Kazemi while it's conjoining the south node. So what do we make of this? Well, the south node in, in traditional literature was said to be the body of a, dis, a disembodied, uh, uh, let's see, how do I put it? It was the severed body of a dragon that was consuming the elixir of life. Uh, and, you know, we can see this in traditional Indian astrology because the, they thought that this dragon was consuming the lights at the eclipses, which the nodes have uh, associations with. Eclipses generally happen close to the nodal axis. So the south node was the body of that dragon um, after the head had been severed. And it's about processing old things. This is where the, this is the great, I love this phrase, <laughs> the great anus of the universe where things are going out. You know, there it is, okay? <laughs> like it's, stuff's going out. And it tends to reduce things that it comes in contact with. And, and some could, would say weaken them. And this is for better or for worse. And anytime we have a planet, uh, coming in contact with the south node, this can reduce the good of the benefic planets like Jupiter or Venus, or it could reduce the bad things associated with Mars. So I, I think what, what if I were to unpack this, um, this may be a very powerful time for cutting things out of your life that may be barriers 
to your uh, plan, to your spiritual vision, because it's a sextile with this Mercury Kazemi moment that's very close to the new moon degree. So for you to enact your spiritual vision, you have to come to terms with what needs to leave your life that is no longer serving you. And this may be associated with a territory that you want to build within or that you don't want to build within. First deck in Capricorn was that two of pentacles where they were jugg- we were juggling many different things. Remember, that's a Mercury, that's a Mercury ruled decan, I believe. Uh, no, Jupiter, sorry, Jupiter ruled decan. It's the terms of Mercury from zero to seven degrees. Get all my rulerships mixed up here. Thanks, Mercury. Uh, but this, this first decan of Capricorn is all about what territory do we want to build our empire? Right, And with the Mars conjoining the south node in that territory of the zodiac, we may have to to decide where we don't want to build, right? Where we don't want, where we have a habit that may not be serving us, where we say this particular area of our life isn't serving us anymore. We've got to cut it out, right? We have have to have the courage, Mars, to leave something behind so that we can go in search of something that's more in alignment with the essential nature of our soul. And that is the essence of this journey we're taking. Well, the sun is lighting up the first decan of Pisces and then having this beautiful Kazemi birth moment with Mercury. Okay? So that is what's going on with Mars conjoining the south node. Uh, This could also feel like... uh, a lack of initiative. Uh, Mars represents our willpower and our ability to move forward with the plan and to take action. This may be a time not for taking action. This may be a time for letting go of some of the actions that you've been taking that are taking you away from your spirit. And we may feel a little bit of a, because we're getting more in touch with our vision, We may decide not to do more things or take on more responsibilities out in the world or to cut out some responsibility that we have that isn't really in service of our grander vision. So I think that that could be how we are experiencing some of these things moving forward. And because Uranus, thanks Kelly, uh, is also in this conversation this is helping us to just do something in a new way. It's shattering our, our preconceptions of what would actually serve us. And I think that some of the divine discontent that we may feel through these planetary placements traveling through Pisces, we have to be willing to take some physical action within this. And I think that that action is surrender. I think that Pisces is asking us to surrender to the imperfection. And that is what's going to alleviate some of the pain, right? The pain of that first decan of Pisces, of, our, of coming to terms with the limitations of our vision. And finally, as it moves into the second decan, bridging the gap and returning from that disappointment to a point of acceptance. Now, pause for emphasis. And if I had like a button that would go boom, (laughs) I would press that boom. (laughs) Because I feel like it's such a truth. You know, there's, I like 
I'll try not to get too pleased with myself here, but I, but I, fe- I feel like tingles when I, when, when I say that, because I know that that's something that, that maybe just a, a, hopefully a channeling of something of a higher truth that isn't necessarily just from me, that is from, you know, I don't know, maybe a more divine consciousness. And I love it when that happens. It gives me like the goosebumps, right? What, and, and I think that that quality of surrendering is going to be very supported for the next month or so. Okay. That was my long-winded explanation of Tuesday. Just talking a little bit more about the Mercury Kazemi. So I've taught this in previous videos, but uh, the, the, let's go to the very moment of the Kazemi here. Bing, bing. Okay, this is going to happen uh, at like 8 p.m., 8 or 9 p.m., right around here, okay? And I'm going to get rid of my annotations on my video. All right, so around 8.45 in the p.m., Mercury is now in the heart of the sun within one degree. Now, some authors say within 17 minutes, okay? The medieval authors are more exacting about that, but the Hellenistic authors were like within one degree. And this is when it, the, the, this planet was you know, said to be in the heart or the furnace of the sun that's being reborn. And as it is going into the furnace of the sun, it becomes weakened. And as it leaves the furnace of the sun, it is, it is trying to you know, get up from its sickbed, so to speak, and get, regain its strength. So at the end of its cycle, it's, it's weak, it's dying. It's, it's taking to its deathbed, and then it, as it's being reborn and whatever, the new cycle, and then it is, it's like a baby again, okay? It's like a baby planet. Like Mercury is going to be reborn after the death of the old cycle, and it's a little vulnerable little, little Mercury now. It's a little, little baby trickster. And any, any child, any, any infant out in the world is a little bit confused and a little bit like trying to figure out what, it, what, what it's all about. And that's what we may be experiencing as Mercury comes Kazemi. We may get like some new infusion of purpose, of ideas. And then we may feel a little confused about those ideas as, as those ideas ma- mature into uh, adulthood. Now, the other thing to think about is this is called the inferior conjunction. Okay, if I'm going to move my chart back over to the ascendant, okay, and because I want you to see that that what happens when we move forward is Mercury becomes a morning star. The inferior conjunction is when it makes a conjunction from the retrograde position, retrograde, and it and instead of being an evening star where it is rising after the sun or is visible in the night sky on the western horizon, okay, when the sun sets, that's the evening star. See how it's following? Okay, and if it over here, the evening star Mercury would be like this, where it is uh, later in the zodiac than the sun because the sun's going to rise in this primary motion, this clockwise motion. Now, what happens when we have the inferior conjunction is Mercury and the sun are kind of switching positions, and Mercury now rises above before the sun and becomes the morning star. So we can see, eventually, we'll be able to see Mercury in the morning. And we won't be able to see Mercury yet. 
because Mercury is still un hidden under the beams of the sun. But when Mercury escapes from the beams, which is going to happen pretty soon, I mean, I think it's going to happen like the first week or two of uh, March, at 15 degrees away from the sun, that's when we'll have an, uh, a visible manifestation of this new Mercury cycle, an omen that speaks, a condition of Phasis that is that is was said to be uh, Demetra George called that an omen that speaks or Robert Schmidt is where she's gaining a lot of that stuff too. She she was a uh, a student of Schmidt as well at Project Hindsight and Rob Hand and Rob Zoller and and uh, those dudes over there. But I, I really think Schmidt was the kind of the I don't know he's the he's the the one that was one of the main catalysts. All of them were translators uh, of the language. Um, but from my experience, Bob, Bob Schmidt was the, his brain just worked a little differently than everyone else's in, in a good way. And well, for better or for worse, I don't know, but it's been some interesting stories about his life, but I, I, I can't really speak to that because I never really met him, but I'm enjoying learning from him and from people who were inspired by him. And I think that his lineage is, is important. And I think that we've uh, we're all benefiting from from that, uh, regardless of what happened during his his lifetime. Um, so anyway, so I think that what is happening with this Mercury Kazemi moment may be cutting out some sort of outdated belief, so you can move forward with a new expression of your vision that you've worked hard to get. Uh, through your journey, through your internal labyrinth of your of your soul, and really, what this time requires is some some alone time, some some daydream time, so, like a clearing of a schedule, so that you can actually get in touch with what you really what you really believe in, with that voice of your soul. Sometimes we get so uh, we get so lost in the daily grind of our existence. And I'm guilty of this too. I get, I've been getting lost in the daily grind of my astrological reports that sometimes I get off track with the essence of that astrology. And I, as, as I've shared earlier in this video, I feel like I've been getting back in touch with the essential nature of the planets and what they're trying to say to us. And man, that is it's just so, that brings new hope. That's really the, the, the vision that we're trying to manifest with this new moon is a new sense of purpose, a new sense of hope uh, that, so we can eliminate some outdated belief and move forward with our lives finally. All right. That's Tuesday, the 25th. Let's keep rolling or we'll be here forever. I know I'm doing deep dives. I have gotten some really nice feedback from some of my listeners and viewers about that they like the deep dives and that's good. I'm glad that you found this, and I'm glad that it's benefiting you. Uh, it might not be for everyone, but that's the beauty of the internet, right, is we have these niche, niches, and we can find our audience. And some, some astrologers may give you the 10-minute recap of a, of a placement, and that may be all you need for the day. Uh, and people like me like, give you the hour-and-a-half forecast. Uh, and hopefully you're learning something along the way. That's, that's my goal too, is, is to have people learn stuff about astrology. So let's move our chart over to Wednesday and put the sun on the ascendant here. And as you can see now, Mercury is rising before the sun, as I was demonstrating in my chart. It is, it is going to, if I move my chart forward, you can see that Mercury is now ahead. See that? 
that's that's real time that's hours and time moving clockwise in the chart so that's that's like the sun at noon basically or the when it's in the highest point in the sky and the sun's going to be in the 10th house right uh, but the sun starts in the first house at the ascendant that's when dawn is and that's a cool way to conceptualize astrology and, and root it in the the actual tangible things that we're witnessing out in the out in the world uh, on Wednesday the 26th the day of Mercury uh, and a day of retrograde Mercury the moon is going to start out in Aries we're still going to be in our new moon phase the first 45 degrees of the moon phase in the eightfold path of the moon uh, Mercury is going to be making a sextile to Mars uh, very early in the morning uh, around 1 a.m. or so uh, you can see here we've got Mercury retrograde sextiling Mars again in contact with the south node so this may be another moment where we are severing uh, severing out old ideas that don't serve us anymore we may have some blunt communications in regards to that uh, or some sharp opinions this could this could also lead to some verbal disagreements or misunderstandings because Mercury is retrograde and Mars is in the mix uh, be careful not to get too if you're cutting something out of your life I think the quality of tact would serve you well. Uh, try not to get too angry or disappointed because whatever you, you realize isn't serving you anymore. Uh, there's, there is a conscious uncoupling, and, it, and that can be true for relationships, but also for ideas. You don't have to rage against the idea. Does that make sense? You don't have to say, I've been fooled. You know, like I, I've been living in falsehood and like get rid of everything in your life associated with that all at once. I think that that's, that's often the, the response that we have to like a spiritual realization is we're like, I have to change everything all at once. And I think that uh, what Mars is maybe asking for is these changes can happen over time. They require patience. Uh, it's, it's one step at a time. We're delaying the gratification, but we're, we're, we're doing a conscious, mature separation from something that is Mars in its exaltation is 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 conscious uncoupling, right? Conscious severing, being able to sever from a mature perspective rather than a, a, a very self-centered baby like temper tantrum, right? This is the like breakup letter where you you've said something very nice. You said, oh here here's here's a box of your stuff. You know, you in you don't throw it out the window. You you deliver it nicely. You have a nice smile and say, here, <laughs> like, I don't need this anymore. Good luck, right? Uh, so I think that's, that's the way to deal with that energy as we move forward. Now, I'm going to uh, reiterate that because one of the other aspects that we have of the day is a square between Mars and the moon in Aries. So this could be the moment where you do have this kind of like raging against the dying of the light type of moment. Okay, see this with the moon in Aries and Mars in Capricorn, where you're like, this is not what defines me anymore. And you have some, your temper gets triggered by that. And again, if we know this going into it, the beauty of astrology is a little bit of foresight, a little bit of uh, pranoia. Uh, we can make a better choice within the moment, hopefully, because our perspective will say, aha. I have the, a choice right now. I, I, this emotion has arisen in me, and now I have the ability to make a choice in how I'm going to deal with that emotion. Am I going to fly off the handle, or am I going to try to take a deep breath, compose myself, 
and realize that not everybody's separate identity is a threat to, to my own separate identity. See that? That's our moon Mars square there. Okay. Uh, moon's trying to, to bring some new identity into, into being with this waxing moon. Uh, but like I said, that not everybody has to like our new identity. Not everybody has to agree with it. Um, but we can give each other space to kind of be ourselves. I think that would be the good, the good way to handle this Wednesday, um, especially in our communications with one another. Okay, moving on to Thursday. Thursday, 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 Thursday. I don't know what, what accent that is. That's my, I don't know. My Thursday accent. <laughs> that's, a, that's my fallen Jupiter accent. Um, let's see. I can just imagine, like, uh, now I'm going to get myself in trouble. I'm, I'll keep that thought to myself. Uh, the moon is going to be at Aries, still in that new moon phase on Thursday, the 27th. Moon is going to be squaring Jupiter uh, from 19 degrees of Aries. Okay. See, there we go. Moon is going to be making contact with Jupiter now, where, again, some of the same issues that came up with that Mars severing quality. Uh, we may have a conflict between trying to, to bring some sort of growth or expansion into being of our, of our personality, of our plan, of our new identity, of our new spiritual vision. And we may come in contact with a lack of resources. I, I just think every anytime we come in to contact with this Jupiter in, in uh, Capricorn now, uh, we're we're getting a dose of reality that our vision may not may have to be pared down a little bit. Um, so that may be part of this square with uh, the Moon and, and Jupiter. Um, so Venus will be conjoining with the Moon, uh, or the Moon will be conjoining with Venus. Uh, after that, at about 12.05 p.m., the uh, square with Jupiter takes place very early in the morning, about 4.20 a.m. Uh, and, yeah, remember, this is happening in that third decan of Aries. So this may be where you are having some sort of charismatic, uh, artistic epiphany, uh, where, you're, where you're trying to smooth over uh, something with a, with a hostile audience or with somebody that doesn't disagree with you. And as you move through the day, this could come and have you come into contact with the limitations of Saturn because the next aspect of the day is a square between the moon and Saturn. And we're building to this Venus-Saturn square too. We're not quite there yet, but uh, there may be a, a, a disconnect between um, your own personal identity and uh, the, the structures of your relationships and you may be hitting a brick wall within that um but i think the way to deal with this is to to use your ability to create harmony through recognizing the beauty in separation sometimes maybe this is a great time to excuse me go on a uh julia cameron used to call these artist dates and uh in her book um the artist way it was a way to get back in touch with your creativity, creative recovery, as you like to call it, based sort of on the concepts of AA or Alcoholics Anonymous. Um, and uh, she talked about artist date, where you go on a, a little journey or, or adventure, but it had to be solo. It had to be a solo adventure. 
so that because it would it would be more difficult to hear the voice of your artist's soul if you did that with a partner. So this may be a great time to just go on a little solo adventure. Doesn't mean you can't come back together, but you might have something more interesting to share uh, after you go off on your own little journey, on your own little separate separate adventure. You may go to a, oh, I don't know, a flea market, a thrift store, a walk in the woods, some, something that inspires your inner artist uh, where you can hear the your own inner voice uh, in the easiest way. Um, and it's okay. You don't have to do everything with your partner or together all the time. <laughs> That's, that was a hard thing for me to realize for a long time. Uh, and, but it's healthy, right? So Friday the 28th, let's keep on rolling here. We're do, I think we're doing good. We're going to come in in time here. Uh, on Friday the 28th, um, Moon will move into Taurus. at 2.29 a.m. So the moon's going to gain in dignity as it moves into Taurus. And it will be in it, its exaltation. Uh, and in within the first few degrees, I believe the degree of exaltation for the moon is right around this three degrees of Taurus. And something really magical happens uh, at the degree of the moon's exaltation this particular week. It conjoins with Uranus, <laughs> with Uranus, at the same time uh, as we have a let's see, a Pluto Venus square. That's interesting. But let's just talk about this moon conjoining Uranus here at the degree of its exaltation. So this could be a material idea that, that you have that is uh, some fertile ground that opens up to you. Like the first decan of Taurus was called the, the plow or was about the, the, <laughs> the fecunded fields, the quickened fields that were warmed by the... Uh, um, the, the light of the sun. That's that's a word I learned from Austin Kopic. Fecund, fecund, which is it's like fertile. It's like the the sun warming the earth, um, and and getting all those like microscopic organisms activated through that 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 warmth process. Like a lot of that bacteria uh, gets woken up and uh, is able to proliferate with heat, darkness, and heat. Uh, so this moment, I think, is like a quickening. It's like when the sun is shining or the moon actually is shining on Uranus and we have this maybe new manifestation that's unexpected that is very fertile in, in the, the, the most exalted degree of the moon. That, I think that's kind of a neat thing. I'd be real curious to hear what happens around 10 a.m. on Friday the 28th in your life. Mention it in the comments. Let's see if, you, if something cool comes into form that is almost unexpected, but, but is, is, is very, uh, oh, I don't know, honored, bring, brings honor to your, to your life or something of that nature. Remember the moon, here we go. If we, we talk about exaltation rulers, the moon is like the owner of the restaurant, right? So the moon is coming back to its domicile that it is sort of the overseer of Taurus. Okay. And this is like maybe if I were to think off the top of my head, you know, the moon's coming back to its 
it's a very nice, fancy, uh, lush um, steakhouse restaurant. I don't know, whatever. whatever. And uh, there's some very unexpected party that happens, or he's he's got some the, some new great idea, right? That says, "I've got this new idea, and this is going to be the best dish we've ever created, or this is going to be a new way of organizing our systems uh, that will will really uh, bring." notoriety uh, into our business or to our our restaurant or to our store or whatever you whatever metaphor you want to use for that um, so pay attention to any great ideas for bringing something into form that happen around Friday morning uh, the, the moon will then sextile uh, mercury retrograde at 10:51 a.m at the degree of the new moon so this may be the moment where you know you've you've div- dived back into the labyrinth of your mind and you've pulled out some really great idea and you're able to like shock the world with it, you know? Um, at 9.55 a.m. or p.m., sorry, uh, later on in the day, actually, let's talk first, if I'm going in chronological order, let's talk first about this, the elephant in the room, the elefante in the I don't know the I don't know the whatever language I was trying to speak there. I'm not exactly sure what the room is. Elefante. I don't know if elephant is elefante Spanish. Is it just some weird word I made up? Elefante in su casa, <laughs> in your house. <laughs> um, uh, at five p.m. Sorry, I'm being silly again. At five p.m. Uh, Venus will make a square to Pluto. Boom. From that third decan of Aries to the third decan, whoops, to the third decan of Capricorn. Man, scribbling here. Okay, that is that looks ugly. Okay. Anyway, uh that being said, how do we unpack this? Okay, so what's Venus trying to do in the third decan of Aries? She's trying to build a following, a personal following, right? And what is Pluto doing in the third decan of Capricorn? Uh, bringing up the corruption of, of the hierarchy, of the authority, uh, shining its dark nuclear volcanic light lava light on everything that was buried beneath the surface, all the corruption in the system. So <clears throat> perhaps within our relationships, which is the national, natural significator or one of the natural significations of Venus, we may be trying to create some sort of charismatic beauty, uh, but, but through uh, an expression of our individuality. And that may come into contact with some of the corrupt parts of our our relationships, it's part of the, some of the structures that we take for granted. Um, this may be true with the structures of society as well. Maybe uh, a pr- prominent artist shines a light on the corruption of the system. This could be like a protest song or something like that, uh, where we're you know trying to put the, I believe one of the other images that came up in the book that I was reading was putting the flower in the gun, right? Remember when we had those all those old hippie images of of the those folks those peaceful protesters putting flowers in the into the barrel of a gun 
Uh, and that could be something we're, that we're experiencing. Um, so corruption exposed in relationships, uh, administrative issues conflicting with personal desire or expression. Uh, this could be a time where we're utilizing our charisma in a, in a dark way too, where we are trying to become charismatic, but, but we get involved in a manipulative power, power game. Okay, like this is what happens. Pluto is related to issues of power. Um, so this is Aphrodite, Venus, having an argument with Hades, having a, an unproductive, severing quality, like conversation with Hades. Like they are, they are at odds with one another. They are in a disagreement. Uh, so Venus may be trying to, or actually, Hades, Pluto, is in the overcoming position. So Hades has the upper hand in this conversation. Okay. He is the overcoming square. He is, uh, by zodiacal order, he is, uh, you know, the one that he, you could think of this like he's the villain that is, is shooting at the uh, somebody trying to escape in the car. Okay. And he has the upper hand. So, whatever is bubbling up from the dark depths of our subconscious, our psyche, is going to have an effect on our relationships, Venus. And maybe, you know, trying to, we may feel a, a sense of being dominated by whatever structure or system that we're a part of. That may be a, a little bit of an unrewarding moment in our lives, but this too shall pass. So just be careful that your plutonic, uh, you know, drive to assert power uh, within relationships doesn't create more conflict than it needs to. All right. So that's my treatment of Venus squaring Pluto. Looking ahead to Saturday. Did we get through everything on Friday? No, we did not. The moon will trine Mars at 7.55 p.m. from Taurus to Capricorn. So this is another moment where we may be able to take, bring something into being uh, based on the, uh, the new sense of plan the new the new place we want to to uh build within that may be based on something that we've let let go of so we've let go of stuff and now that's bringing a new relationship to our resources a new allocation of resources that's a good way of thinking about this and we're going to assert ourselves in a in a maybe a different way than we were before with the, the mars conjoined the south node um and with the moon conjoining Uranus, we're, we're being innovative in the way we're utilizing those Taurus resources, the fields, the, the fecund, the fecunded fields, <laughs> the quickened fields where we're going to be planting the seeds of manifestation. Um, what else? Mercury is going to be sextiling Uranus. That's another thing that's going on. Okay, so you can see here where we may have another new idea that is meeting up with Prometheus, Uranus, okay? So we've got, we just had Mercury go Kazemi. We've gotten this new impulse. And now that new mercurial traveler, remember Mercury was the messenger. Uh, Mercury's just met up with the king, with the sun. And now maybe he's bringing in a message to the Taurus ruled area of your chart and making contact with Uranus and saying, hey, you have a new assignment. Now you have to do something in a completely new way that may feel a little disruptive, 
But if you're going to be true to your vision and true to your soul, you can't do something the same way that you've always done it. And I think that's what we're going to see with Mercury sextiling Uranus. Um, so this could be some sort of intuitive flash of insight, an idea that comes out of the blue, the shattering of an old belief system, the release of some emotional baggage, or a defined course correction. That's what your, uh, Mercury is doing, is giving us a course correction when it comes to a, the, the, the machinations of our mind and communications and uh, the messages that we gain, we, we get from spirit. Remember, Mercury went, uh, Hermes went back and forth. He was a messenger from the underworld to the, to the overworld as well. He was the one that was, you know, the, um, oh, I don't know. Uh, what do you call it? It's the pomp. What is that word again? Man, my brain is melting here. Um, psychopomp where he was bringing, bringing messages back from the, the dead, right? Between the, the world of the living and the dead. So there may be something like that that we're experiencing too. Maybe you, um, I, I saw one interesting little BuzzFeed thing about some lady that uh, was a Hollywood reporter and she, they found her um, pictures of her with all these like really famous um, people, famous actors and they found it at a thrift store so like there's these it's like a time capsule with her with like johnny depp and harrison ford and all these when they were young in like the 90s and uh i can only imagine that's like mercury giving a message from beyond the grave and they connected they reconnected this book with the woman's um children and uh because she had passed and so that's kind of neat that's kind of a message from beyond right uh, of something interesting and of a legacy that, that is coming to those, uh, the children of that lady. Um, just one, one kind of like off the top of my head example of <clears throat> a physical manifestation of that type of thing. Okay. I think that's Friday. Let's move forward. Let's move forward to Friday, Saturday. What day is it? Thanks for bearing with me and my silliness today. Uh, I think it's getting close to dinner time. And when I when I get a little hungry, I get a little punchy. So, but we'll get through it. We'll get through the end of it. This is Pisces season for you. All the boundaries of decorum are down. And we're just lost in a sea of our unfiltered uh, subconscious, just on full display for everyone <laughs> to see. Oh boy, poor my poor Piscean friends and their their lack of emotional boundaries it must be exasperating sometimes. Uh, on Saturday, the 29th, the moon will be in Taurus in its crescent phase where we're starting to mobilize resources on the new vision. Uh, and it will sextile uh, Neptune at 18 degrees at 2.50 p.m. The moon will be sextiling Neptune. And then it will trine Jupiter at 19 degrees of Capricorn at 5.41 p.m. So this is a fairly harmonious day, I think, one where we're, we're not having a, a ton of like hard aspects perfecting. We're going to be kind of licking our wounds after that, after that Venus-Pluto square, and that's going to start separating, and hopefully whatever uh, conflict that came up is starting to become resolved and we're taking new action on, you know, bringing new things into form that'll help help us to smooth that over. Um, the other thing that's happening on Saturday, though, is the sun is moving into a new decan, into the second decan of Pisces. 
And last week we talked about the first decan of Pisces and the Eight of Cups, which was the Saturn ruled decan. So Pisces was taking on the face, or Jupiter was taking on the face of Saturn, right? Uh, and this is kind of have the appearance of like limitations, even though it's being provided resources by Jupiter. So the sun moving through the second decan is in the Jupiter ruled face. Uh, so now we are in a place where uh, we've kind of got double, double Jupiter energy, right? Where it's a, it's a really a pure expression of, of Pisces energy, of the bridge between worlds, the bridge between spiritual consciousness and, and the manifestation of physical form. And in my research of planetary stuff, I was thinking about the sun as like, you know, the light of awareness. It was, it was how we are crafting identity. And this is collectively too, where Saturn may speak to our collective fears. Like right now, a lot of us are afraid of our, our political systems, the way that we're organizing of our leaders, of, of the people in power. There's a lot of fear of like despotic leadership right now. And, and we experiencing that as a collective with Saturn there. And now with the sun moving through the second decan of Pisces, we may have a, a, a vital kind of experience, a, a vitality boosting experience. If we dive into what is required of us in this, uh, if we birth that energy, that vitality through the second decan of Pisces, and we may be crafting identity through being able to manifest a spiritual vision. Okay. So this was called the net by Austin Kopic. And I, I like to think of it as I've been talking about it, like the matrix, right? We're being able to go into the matrix and create like Neo. And we we're gaining in our abilities to do that. As we move through Pisces, we, we come to terms with the limitations of the matrix in the first decade, Saturn, we escape, right? We escape the matrix and we learn that there's a different spiritual reality, Jupiter, and then we return Mars. So we've got, we start Saturn. This is a story we're being told right now. Jupiter and then Mars in the third decade where we're returning with a new skill set and willing to sacrifice for the, for the vision. Okay. Uh, so <clears throat> the second decade though, this is a position that is correlated with the uh, the nine of, of cups and in it we see a figure that is very satisfied is sitting uh, with his arms crossed he's 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 got some sort of satisfaction it's called happiness lord of material happiness and this is the bridge between the mundane and the spiritual world and you know like water that we take the shape of our container so my advice on this is that choose your containers wisely how are you going to find identity because, and where are you going to pour all of your spiritual essence and all of the realizations that you, that you gain from diving into the labyrinth of your soul? How are you going to pour that into material reality? And what is the form that's going to take in it? And what is your new identity going to be like? And choose very carefully. Choose wisely. This is like Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, right? Choose your, choose your chalice wisely. It doesn't have to be a super ornate chalice. I think this is the danger of Jupiter being in its fall is we may be a little bit too materially ambitious and we may uh, be picking that very ornate cup, which is in that movie is the wrong one. The Holy Grail was in, in that movie uh, in that representation was a humble one, was, was one that was uh, maybe less ornate. Uh, it was the, the grail of a carpenter. If you want to, you know, 
give it correlations with the story of Jesus, right? It wasn't because the grail of a king. And uh, that may be something to think about this week too, is can you choose a, a more humble grail to build your vision within, to pour your spiritual essence into? Um, the second decan of Pisces is, they, they, he, Austin Kovic tells a story of being able to, um, of Prometheus crafting out of clay, crafting like a figure of a man out of clay. And then having, you know, he had to go leave or something. He had to go bring fire to humanity. <laughs> like, and his assistant, I don't remember his assistant's name. It was like Dolus or something of that nature. Dolmus. Um, thought he'd have some fun, like the Sorcerer's Apprentice, you know, like Mickey Mouse, you know, playing, playing, playing God and, and playing with magic. And, you know, eventually things start to go wrong, right? You know, what is the, how does that song go? I can't remember right now. Right, so this may be our experience of the sun going in the second decade of Pisces. Is we may be playing sorcerer's apprentice a little bit, and we have to be careful that we're not like trying to do something that is out of our wheelhouse. Also, we have to be careful of not getting too upset when we when the vision doesn't match up with the material reality, when, the, when we experience the gap. And I think that the, the wisdom within this Deccan is the process of coming into acceptance of the imperfection of physical form because it will never match the idealized version that you have in your head. It's just literally impossible. That's what the, the mythology is telling us. That's what Plato tells us in, the, in the, the cave, basically, is we're just watching shadows on a wall. We're not really seeing the, the divine reality uh, when we're in this, this, this world of, oh, I don't know, I'm trying to pull some, I don't know, is it, is it Maya? I don't want to misuse that. Uh, but, but the illusion, right? When we're in this illusion of physical reality is not spiritual truth. It's falsehood is what we're getting and coming to terms with is this, the falsehood of this material reality, the imperfection of it. And if we can accept the imperfection, that's when we come to a place of satisfaction, right? This is very different than Virgo. Virgo does not accept imperfection. Virgo roots out the imperfection and gets rid of the, the, the things that are going to rot so it can retain what needs to be saved for the harvest for the winter. This is not that time. This is the time of merging. This is the time of saying, every, we're going to merge everything together. Like this is the time between the thaw, this is the spring thaw, right? The winter thaw before the spring and mer- the merging of water and earth into this primordial soup that will eventually become quickened by the sun, by the return of the light of the sun at spring. But we have to, you know, loosen up all the boundaries that separate us uh, during this time. We, we had all the frozen quality of Saturn, right? The coldness of Saturn during Capricorn and, and Aquarius season. And now we're loosening all of those separating. We're, we're tearing down the walls. We're, we're having our own like uh, moment, um, like the fall of the Berlin Wall, so to speak, where things are merging back together again. And it's a reconciliation time between our spiritual truth and the reality of the forms that we're trying to create. 
Uh, and the gift of this is, a, I think, a detached, it, 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 I think it was called a detached satisfaction, right? Um, the flip side is we can create our own misery during our res- due, due to our resistance. Uh, if we really get fixated on the, and get sad and allow ourselves to get lost in the spiritual truth and get so upset by the, it not matching up with the, the divine reality that we know is p- only possible if we return to spirit, um, that can create a lot of pain, a lot of suffering. Um, and it, my, my teacher, Chut Baba, had a really nice, um, I believe he had a video on, on this very concept. I don't remember exactly what it was, but he was talking about the pain of wanting to return back home to spiritual uh, oneness. And we're all, we all have a longing for that. We all have a longing to return to, back to the one. We as individual spirit souls in this form of matter have learned the pain of differentiation. And eventually when we return back to the, the oneness of, of the, the universe, maybe there will be some relief in that. But as, as human beings, we will always experience a little bit of longing for that. I, I know what it was. It was he, was do, he was talking about the, this in reference to some folks that he had a disagreement politically with. And like he's more liberal, they're more conservative. And he was trying to find compassion for someone that he didn't dis- agree with. In his case, it was the, the conservative people. And he was talking about uh, how can he find compassion for, for a different perspective than he has, even when he sees that that different perspective may be um, creating injustice in certain areas of life. And what he came to was this longing in this person that he had a conversation with many years ago for a return to an old way of, of life that he felt he had been separated from. And Achita had a really graceful, beautiful way of saying that really what that is is a longing for a return home to, to spirit and to spirituality. And maybe this is a way we can find compassion for each other in this very highly charged political atmosphere that we're wading into, especially in America with our election cycle. Just finding compassion to one another, especially if you're you're wanting to move into something new. If you're more on the progressive end of the scale, you want more equality and you're longing to return home to the spiritual equality that we all have as spirit souls, but that we may not have as physical entities because we're not all necessarily created equal on this material form, but we have, we're aspiring to that as a spiritual ideal. And then also if you're on the other more conservative side of the spectrum, you may be feeling uh, the loss of some sort of uh, you're feeling that loss of the separation. You see what I'm saying? Where you, you want to go back to the way that something might have been, uh, making something great again, and realizing that the greatness that you're, spe- you're seeking is a spiritual one, not a, not a physical one. Um, and I think, man, if we can bridge that gap between those two differing ideological philosophies, I think that may that may go a long way, and I, I don't know how to do that. That's that's not necessarily something that I'm going to be able to do in one video. <laughs> but it's my hope that uh, as we move further and further into uh, these waters, 
that we are able to at least have some compassion for each other's perspective. Because I think when we stop listening to one another, that's when we really start to feel isolated and alone and things like that. And it doesn't mean that you have to sanction uh, abuse or sanction, um, you know, things where you people are being uh, mistreated. It just, it just means that sometimes if we have compassion for everybody, that, that can help lower someone else's defenses. I think a lot of the times when we make our differences more, um, oh, I don't know, when we focus on the differences, that creates more resistance in one another. When we focus on what brings us together, that can lower our defenses and help us find common ground if there is any. And that's, I guess that's my hope as a, you know, more Taurus moon ruled by Venus in, in Gemini, <laughs> like trying, to, trying to get people to find some common ground. And that may be part of this, this Piscean journey too, is trying to find some common ground, trying to find a spiritual vision. Um, on Sunday, the 1st of March, the moon will still be in Taurus, moving into the sign of Gemini. And what we see happening on Sunday is a number of trines between the moon and Pluto and Saturn. So again, a fruit, hopefully a fruitful conversation between the moon and those more difficult placements coming to terms with the limitations that we have in our life and possibly dealing with anything that, that needs to be dealt with that is corrupt. Uh, and as the moon moves into Pis or, I'm sorry, into Gemini at 2.20 p.m., it will then make a square to retrograde Mercury at 6.05 p.m. Uh, so this could be a challenge, right? We, we could, there could be some miscommunications that happen here as we move into the Gemini moon, especially because this uh, moon is being provided for by a retrograde Mercury or hosted by, remember, we're, now the moon is in Mercury's house, but Mercury is in a bad shape. Mercury is in a debilitated position. It's still under the beams. It's retrograde. It's in the position of its exile and fall. So our communications could just be uh, have a lot of confusion. And especially when the, the, I guess there is reception with its host. And sometimes at least there's an open line of communication. But that communication is going to be very convoluted, I think, on the beginning of Sunday uh, or through Sunday afternoon. It may be difficult to come to some kind of consensus. Or, or we may have messages that really need to be double-checked so we, that we get clarity and we don't make assumptions. It's another great way not to get into overly, get into over-conflict with people is ask a lot of questions rather than make bold statements. Um, this is something where, where we really can get confused on what someone else's intention is, and that can create some, some pain. So a lot of times the way to get yourself out of a contentious situation is to start asking questions and start really trying to hear what that person's, what the essence of what that person is saying through the words. The words may not be accurately expressing um, the truth of, of their motivation and their intention at, the, at this moment. So have some extra patience on Sunday evening when you're having conversations. The last thing that's happening this week is, is Mars is going to be moving into the second decan of, of Capricorn. So here we see this happening around 7 o'clock p.m.? Yeah, right here. 
So now Mars is in the second decan, which was called the Pyramid by Austin Kopic, Material Works by Book T, or just Works by the Book of Toth. Um, this is the Mars rule decan. So Mars is going to be in its own face, which so it's gaining even more dignity. This is a really strong, powerful Mars. Uh, this is something where we may be gathering the resources to manifest some kind of plan or blueprint. Um, there's a drive to make a project real. We have a lot of manifestation impulses. Uh, this could be associated with an architect. Um, Austin Kopic says a laborer or a taskmaster. You can think of this as like castles, um, hierarchical structures, walls, um, organization of civilization, establishing limits and boundaries of a territory. Uh, I think also this could be the enforcement of discipline, being able to say no to distractions. Mars wants to eliminate something, right? And in this case, this is giving us the ability to focus. Saturn is providing the focus and eliminating the stuff that isn't serving us. So to be able to put our energy towards our vision and towards our plan, we have to be able to say no to the things that, that aren't uh, in service of that plan. I know for, my, for me, I know last week I said, I was like, hey, I've got been playing this really dumb art role-playing game, this, you know, like this escapist uh, Looney Tunes role-playing game on my phone. And I, I was realizing that this was not serving my greater vision. And I had literally had to put the phone in a different room and not have it near me just to be able to focus. And it worked really well. And I, I, I also went out to a coffee shop and so that I didn't have all the distractions of home. Uh, so I eliminated distractions to do the work that I needed to do. I put on some classical music on my headphones and like let, you know, the Piscean, you know, waves of, of inspiration just help me through the notes I was doing for my week ahead forecast. So I, I think that Mars is going to be real strong in this decan. Um, the downside of this is being, uh, it says, being bound to a daunting task. So we may be taking action on something that is very ornate, very, very detailed, very um, large in its uh, scope. Um, another thing that was talked about with this is the hubris involved with trying to build something material to reach a spiritual ideal and because of mars's contact with the, this new moon in pisces we may be trying to do that and the warning is the tower of babel warning of trying to build a tower to heaven or the hubris involved with trying to build a material structure to reach god or the, to the divine which can only be reached through some kind of either inner reality or or you know spiritual consciousness and the card i think that really demonstrates this very well is the tower card i don't know where it is in here but the tower card shows a lightning strike uh, basically getting rid of the erroneous ideals. You can see this here where people were trying to build that tower to Babel and, and God basically said, Nope, you, you can't build the tower to reach me. I'm within you, <laughs> you know, like, so it's not something that you reach in the sky. It's a place that you reach in consciousness. And uh, so I think that it's very important that you realize that, if, try not to get too fixated on whatever the material structure or the material form that your vision takes uh, takes into account or is trying what you're trying to build. Because remember, all forms come into being and pass out of being. Um, what you build will eventually decay. So it's a representation of the spiritual divinity, but it can never be a perfect representation of that spiritual truth. 
So that's what's going on with, with Mars moving into the second decan of Capricorn. Okay, I think that's what I've got for this week. Looking ahead to next week. Um, next week, we will have a first quarter moon uh, on the second where the moon is squaring the sun. So a crisis uh, of bringing this vision into manifestation. Venus will then square Saturn. Remember, we brought up the corruption, and now we have to deal with the limitations involved with that corruption as, as planets are aspecting Pluto and then Saturn now. Mercury will retrograde back into Aquarius, maybe giving us some clarity uh, in our journey uh, backwards through, through, through time and, and reevaluating things. It may give us an ability to hover over things. Venus will sextile Mercury retrograde, and then... Venus will move into its domicile of Taurus, which will be uh, a much welcome change and, and help bring things into, uh, give fertile ground to, for bringing harmonious relations into the world. Uh, on Sunday, Sunday is a very big day, Sunday the 8th, the sun will conjoin with Neptune and then Venus will conjoin with Uranus. So that's another really big uh, moment for uh, manifestation. So that's what I've got for this week. I hope that you have had something that has been useful for you. Um, remember, if you like this, these videos, remember to hit the, the subscribe button, share it with your friends, uh, subscribe on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, YouTube. I'm on Instagram and Twitter and all those things. If you want to materially support the podcast, the best thing that you can do is reach out and schedule a reading, Astrology at gmail.com. Uh, or I have a, t a little tip jar with a PayPal me or a Venmo account if that's what you prefer. That always is, is appreciated as well. And yeah, that's what I've got for this week. Um, coming up, I'm going to be making an appearance at the uh, Enlightened Soul Expo in the end of March in Ann Arbor, Michigan. If you want to get an in-person reading uh, in, your, in the area, also be appearing at the Great Lakes Astrology Conference uh, July 9th through the 13th, doing some talks. I know that's a ways off, but I'm just kind of plugging all these things as we go. And if you haven't listened to it yet, I recently did a podcast with uh, Melissa LaFara of Energetic Principles, where we did a deep dive into the whole uh, Pisces month, basically, from the beginning of the sun in Pisces to the end. So go check that out too. Uh, real nice lady and really appreciate being on a show. Okay, that's what I've got for this week. Uh, have, a, have, a good, uh, have a good journey, everyone, and hopefully uh, you're inspired by your new vision. Um, try to be humble in, in what you create, but, uh, but I hope that it is bringing a new spark uh, into your life and that your manifestations are bringing you humble satisfaction. All right, take care, everyone. Peace.